Today's podcast is sponsored by Rockabella Vodka, the only three-flavored vodka in the world. Have the coconut mango pineapple vodka delivered to your home. Go to rockabellabrands.com. Hi, welcome to today's show. Um, today we have Michael, who is a Dean of Students at a charter school in New Jersey. Mike, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Mike. I'm Dean of Students now for three years uh, at a charter school in New Jersey, and I'm also the harassment, intimidation, and bullying coordinator for the entire district, which is a K-12 district, and this is my fifth year in that role. Um, I've enjoyed all the work I've done and all the people I've met through that role and uh, continue to, and I enjoy working with all the families uh, in not only bullying cases, but in the trainings and prevention um, of future cases. Great. So about 10 years ago, the state of New Jersey implemented a mandated harassment, intimidation, and bullying policy following the suicide of a Rutgers University student. Can you explain to our listeners how the policy is implemented in schools and how it has changed the way we deal with acts of bullying inside schools and at school events? Yes, of course. So um, the New Jersey's Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights is extremely critical in, uh, in preventing bullying situations and uh, scenarios similar to what happened um, involving that, that student from Rutgers University. So what New Jersey put into place was a process in which cases would be investigated um, by either an anti-bullying specialist, uh, coordinator, there's different titles for the, for the roles, but they all act uh, in a similar fashion in making sure that they're uh, preventing bullying and intervening uh, when necessary in bullying cases to ensure that uh, they're properly addressed by the administration of the school, as well as the families of the students that are involved in the cases. So uh, now, currently in 2020, um, much has changed. Uh, it used to be uh, any report that mentioned the word bullying would have to go to an anti-bullying specialist or HIP coordinator, um, and then they would have to complete an investigation within 10 school days to determine whether that case was substantiated. And that became an issue because Bullying then became uh, a hot word and a buzzword for parents and teachers and uh, students to all use when reporting incidents that were occurring. And next thing you know, the cases were piling up and every single one of them had to be investigated. Uh, at this point in 2020, it's at the discretion of the school's HIP coordinator or anti-bullying specialist, as well as the school's administration working with the principals and vice principals to um, determine whether or not the report calls for an investigation um, prior to uh, initiate an investigation. So that's extremely important because even if the word bully is used in an incident report by a staff member, by a community member, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is uh, a bully, it calls for a bullying investigation. Um, sometimes it could be just a conflict. Sometimes it could be a misunderstanding. Um, and, and that would then go to the vice principal, a dean of students, uh, someone who hands with, handles the behaviors and discipline within the school community. So that's uh, an extremely important change. Uh, I've already noticed an impact by it when it was uh, implemented uh, last year during the 2018-2019 uh, school year. Uh, or it may have been uh, the year after, but that uh, that has been a game changer uh, 
for me as the hip coordinator, uh, as also as dean of students, because they kind of go hand in hand. Because if it isn't bullying and it is conflict, it's still something that I'm going to handle at the end of the day. And I'm going to be in communication with the parents. I'll be in communication with the counseling team if necessary, as well as the teachers and other administrators. So everyone's on the same page in regards to the situation at hand. Welcome back. Can you share with us some examples of investigations you have conducted without breaking confidentiality, of course, and some of your experiences dealing with both the bullies and victims? Sure, yeah, so as I was saying, a normal hit case uh, should be investigated and completed within 10 school days. So that's something that's always on our mind when we do receive a report and we do deem that the report um, is something that needs to be investigated. And at that point, I, uh, as a anti-bullying specialist and coordinator, I would meet with, uh, I do meet with the victim first and I get the full detailed story. Um, as, a, as an educator uh, during the school day and with our scholars, we do act uh, in loco parentis, which means in place of the parent. So we are able to meet with scholars and discuss these reports with them uh, individually. So I do meet with uh, the victims first. I have them do a written detailed statement of their report and then we have a conversation and i ask questions about the details um and of course there are always two sides or more to a story so uh, i would then meet with uh, the accused um offender in this situation uh, and and then give them a chance to write their full written statement and have a conversation with them and ask any necessary questions um and then at that point i'll be able to sit down and reflect on both conversations um and take a look at my notes and determine if there's anyone else that would need to be uh, contacted, whether it be a parent who might have some more information or another scholar who's witnessed uh, the bullying that's being reported uh, or the behaviors, let's say, that's, that are being reported because it's not necessarily substantiated as bullying until the investigation is completed. And, uh, and then within those 10 days, um, get to the bottom of it and figure out uh, if it is a bullying case, if it does meet the criteria of a bullying case and it does uh, attack someone's characteristics, whether that be their race, gender, sexual orientation. Um, there's a long list of characteristics that are protected by the Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights. Um, and if it is um, offending any of those, then it can be deemed as bullying and it can be uh, considered a substantiated case, which then means uh, the case is reported to the state. Uh, in my experience, uh, there are really there are some really simple uh, investigations um, that are, are evident from the start, uh, especially uh, given certain evidence. If I have screenshots of something that happens in communications on a cellular device or something that happened on social media, um, then that's always very simple case to crack, and uh, the, the parents are always. Uh, cooperative in that because they're able to see and witness for themselves firsthand uh, the incident. And then the difficult ones are the ones where you encounter, uh, you know, people that are being dishonest with uh, with the investigators or with the administrators who are looking into the incidents. And uh, when we have to dig and find out what's truth and what's uh, lie, then we might have some difficulty in those uh, those cases are always a little bit harder, but we do at the end of the day with the training that we receive from our different professional developments and training from the state, we are able to figure out the truth and get to the bottom of it and figure out whether or not it is a substantiated case. 
Okay, thank you. We're going to take a break right now. Sorry. I... Rockabella's Coconut Mango Pineapple Natural Flavored Vodka has won many awards. Order some today at rockabellabrands.com. What has been the most difficult type of bullying to prevent and to investigate? So this is a great question. This is a great question for uh, several reasons. And then one of the main ones is that cyberbullying, the majority of it is occurring uh, not during school hours. So not on campus. They're not in our, our building, not within our facility. So it's not the responsibility of our teachers to be monitoring their activity at that time. At that point, we, we're depending on the parents. We're depending on our students to be uh, responsible and respectful uh, individuals with one another. And then also we have to take into account that cyberbullying doesn't only occur between students of the same school or even students of the same city or even the same state. Um, there are cases sometimes that have been brought to our attention that don't even uh, involve the offenders aren't even uh, people that we know or, or even the, the victim knows. Um, and, and these these reports come through the applications that our students are using, such as TikTok and Snapchat. Um, Instagram, uh, coming from fake accounts, from people they don't know outside of school, uh, people that their parents don't know and their families don't know. Uh, that's the scary part when it comes to cyberbullying is uh, it's easy for people to make fake accounts uh, and use other people's pictures or not, not use a picture at all and go online and find pictures uh, or images of our students and post them with negative comments or negative captions underneath them. It's very concerning which is why I encourage parents, uh, if there are parents listening and your child is 18, is 17 or under, um, I strongly encourage you not to allow them to have social media of any type. Um, and if there are students listening right now, kids, teenagers, I encourage you to wait until you are 18 or older to download these apps and have accounts on them because there's no need for, uh, and it's not safe for you to be on there now. Um, especially with the lack of privacy in accounts on applications like TikTok, where you might want to make a video doing a dance that you think is cool or, or you think is funny. And then someone else feels uh, the need to come on and, and write uh, uh, disgusting comments on it or something inappropriate that makes you upset. They have the freedom to do that on that platform and you're giving them the opportunity. So I strongly encourage parents and students to stay off of social media until at least 18 years of age or older. But of course that can be difficult for them in their need to be connected at this time. Correct? Yeah, definitely. That, and all students, all people, all humans, they need social interactions. It's just a matter of monitoring those social interactions and making sure that they're happening uh, appropriately and at the right times and with the right people. So it's the responsibility of not only the parents, but the kids as well to make sure that uh, they're picking and choosing the right ways and the right people to have socialization with, uh, whether it be through a Google Meet call or a Zoom call with familiar friends, but uh, you're more likely to run into um, some strangers mm -hmm. on the social media platforms like TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat. Yeah, I like the advice you gave them that they're opening themselves up to the possibility of being bullied. They're giving opportunity and that's an important um, comment to make to them. Yeah, because there are individuals out there that are looking to, you know, 
to get people riled up uh, about anything that they can. And, and that's kind of something that we'll talk about a little bit in terms of uh, why people bully and, and what makes people feel the, the need to bully. And a lot of that comes from the relationships that they have in their own life or experiences that they've had uh, in their own life that they then project onto others. And the internet is just a, a world of opportunity for people that, you know, have those feelings and have those emotions. And that's why we need to make sure we find them the right help so that they're not projecting these negative um, acts towards others. Great. So who do you involve in the remediation and the prevention of bullying? Well, there are a lot of moving pieces in remediating and preventing bullying, and it, it takes the whole community uh, in reality. So uh, the first people that are involved in preventing bullying are all community members, and that's the reason why the Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights um, and the NJ HIP policy they require training for all staff members uh, within a school community. And we do training uh, three times a year. We do uh, training in the summer, uh, middle of the year, we'll meet for a training and the, at the end of the year. And we train all of our staff members from teachers to, main, uh, to security guards to lunch staff. They receive the same training as the teachers in regards to the HIP policy, how to report harassment, intimidation, and bullying. Um, how to identify it and to know if a, a, a student is uh, being bullied or experiencing uh, any behaviors that could fall under the HIP policy. So training is definitely important in the prevention of bullying. Training uh, for parents is also important as well, providing resources to them, showing, showing them resources that they can find online and sharing those with them is also uh, essential to the success in a, of a school in terms of preventing bullying. And then the remediation, of course, we have to involve our, our school counselors because they are fantastic uh, school counselors all across the state, all across the country. Um, they deserve even more credit because they are great in the remediation process of not only bullying, but anyone who's feeling over overcome or overwhelmed with emotions. And they're the first to be involved to help us figure out why this is happening, why these behaviors are being exhibited by this particular individual and how, of course, we can address the feelings and emotions of the victims uh, of the behaviors exhibited by the bullies or the accused um, bullies. So the, the counselors are involved. And then if necessary, the teachers will be uh, informed and involved uh, as well as the administrators for those uh, students. So it's really a team effort in preventing and remediating any hip cases. Great. What are some of the signs parents can look for to see if their child is either being bullied or is actually the bully? Yeah, of course, parents want to keep an eye out for any changes in behaviors. And a common change in behavior for students in these cases is a change in appetite. They might find them eating less and have less desire to eat or together with the family uh, during dinner time or on the weekends when it's time, when it's time to eat. Um, and then if they witness just a change, uh, change in behavior in terms of if their, their child is someone who's normally happy-go-lucky and seems to be in a little bit of a funk, always reach out to the school uh, school counselor or social worker and just give them a heads up as something to look out for in the school community to see if, if it's something that's just happening at home, then maybe it has something to do with the home life, but if it's happening everywhere, then it might be something to do with uh, how they're being treated by uh, another student or someone else in the community. So those are definitely uh, things to look for. 
and determine whether uh, their child's being bullied or is a bully. Thank you. That's really good advice for our parents. So, Michael, uh, what advice can you give those who have either been bullied or are the bully? What would you say to them? Well, in, in school, I always ask, ask the students, I say, raise your hand if you've ever been bullied. And the majority of the classroom raise their hand because they feel like at some point they might have been bullied. And I'll say, raise your hand if you feel like you've ever been a bully. And about half of the students in the class will have raised their hands. And then I say, not even to your sibling, your brother, your sister, your cousin, yet you've never mistreated someone jokingly. And then all of the hands go back up. So you have to th take time to think about the feelings that you've had in the moments where you felt someone was treating you poorly or mistreating you or someone that you love. Think of those feelings and those emotions that you had and how much you never want to experience them. Right? The kind of emotions that everyone wants to experience are happy emotions, emotions and feelings of joy. If you're being a bully, you're taking away the opportunity for someone else to have those feelings and you're making them have the feelings that you felt in that moment when you or someone you loved was being treated poorly or bullied by someone else. So it's always important and, and similar to the saying, you know, put yourself in someone else's uh, shoes. It's very similar to that. Think of those feelings that you had in that moment where you were being mistreated. Because I can think back to times when I've been uh, I felt bullied by someone, but I could also think back to times when I might have been a bully, you know, to a sibling or a friend. Even if it was in a joking way, I might not have been considering their feelings. So we always have to be considerate of each other's feelings, and we should live in a world where we want to make them feel joy, happiness, and excited to be in your presence. Oh, that's great advice. Um, we'd like to thank you so much for coming on the show today to share your expertise with us about just what's happening in schools um, where bullying is occurring and what schools are doing and administrators and counselors, what kind of advice they're giving to their students, the, what they're working with them and helping them to make better choices in the future. Um, anytime you'd like to come back and share more information with us, you're more than welcome. We'd like to thank you for being on our show today. Thank you so much, and uh, just always be the reason someone smiles, and uh, like this is all about, stand up to bullying. Thank you so much.